Welcome back to the podcast. This is Capital Stories. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to say that we so enjoy sharing these episodes with you, Tara and I. Truly, yeah. As we talk to people on the show, we're, we're looking for intersections of real life and real faith. Just those, you know, where the rubber meets the road type conversations to encourage you in your everyday walk with Jesus. And if you have feedback or if you have suggestions for stories to share, we'd love to hear from you. You can shoot us an email at stories at capitalchurch.com. But let's talk about today's episode. Today, Paul is talking with Maya Teagle. Uh, Maya's family, when she was a a small child, came to the United States um, in the 90s as refugees of the Bosnian War. So as you can imagine, her story is is kind of fascinating in itself. But there's lots of elements uh, we get to to hear about. Um, She, of course, doesn't remember coming here when her family didn't speak any English and had $100 in in their pocket. And it's a story of grit. It's it's a story, too, of, of marriage from different religious faith traditions, actually two marriages, which is which is interesting as well. And um, and the idea of community, right? The community that she had here of, of Bosnian refugees, the community that she found of faith, um, as well as, as a reminder, an important reminder of the practical opportunity we have to extend hospitality, especially when it makes us a little uncomfortable in our community. Right. So without further ado, here is Maya Teagle talking with Paul on Capital Stories. I'm Maya. And I'm from Bosnia. Originally, Yugoslavia had Croatia, Bosnia, Serbia, Slovenia, a huge country. Okay. But I was born in the confines of Bosnia, and I was born not long after uh, the war started. So started back in 1990 and lived through the war, I guess. My family was all over there. My dad fought in the war. My, I have an older brother who was born right before it started back in the 90s. So he's definitely uh, bared most of the, the brunt of it. I guess okay. he remem- remembers it. My parents do, clearly. I fortunately don't remember the, the details and the ins and outs of what was happening at that time. I just vividly remember coming here okay. back in 98. So I was about three years old. We didn't have a choice where we came. Before you go any further, one one thing I'd love for you to clarify, tell me a little bit more about your mom and dad and just kind of their background, you know, to help us kind of better understand. I mean, because their background is kind of almost symbolic of kind of a lot of the reasons why that war was taking place. It is. It's super messy. I feel like you ask all different people from there and they'll each give you a different answer. From what I have noticed and what I've heard, it was primarily, not primarily, but one of the reasons was definitely a religious war. Okay. So Bosnia, it's interesting. Croatia is primarily Catholic. Serbia is primarily Orthodox. And Bosnia was Muslim, but they're like a melting pot because they're encompassed by, I mean, we have a smidge of coastline, but Croatia (laughs) takes all of it. And then Serbia is right next door. So they were a melting pot of different ethnicities, different religions, and it was all coexisting until one day it wasn't when their president ruler passed away. And then everything just kind of blew up. And my parents, the funny thing, my mom's Orthodox and my dad's Muslim. So two competing religions never were supposed to be together according to how everyone was behaving over there, what they thought. But they're both from the same town. It's a small town called Banovici. They met each other. They fell in love and everything was great until the war happened. 
And then afterwards, people who have been best friends and been neighbors for decades, all yeah. their lives, have just all of a sudden turned against each other. It becomes other. a very Romeo and Juliet kind of story where it's, we, we, we shouldn't be together and no. our families are at, literally at war. No logic, all just purely emotional mm. and what you're being fed from, they had a very corrupt government. So it was just really, really sad. And so they managed to stay through it, through the war, through everything. You mean they stay had, together? Yeah, and they had their own hardships. Uh, some family members tried to intervene, tried to break them up, but they got married. They had my brother, and then the war started, and so then they had me, which was mm. great. <laughs> but well, that's the story about them. Two drastically different religions, very different people, but ultimately set both of that aside, and that played a big role in our upbringing, especially when we came over here, where we never really went to church. We never really practiced a singular faith. It was mostly, we believe in God, there's a higher power, but they did a beautiful job of blending the traditions and the aspects of both together into our family. So my brother and I definitely grew up appreciating both aspects of it and having the flexibility and the freedom to kind of choose what we wanted. Okay. So, so you talk about them navigating that within their marriage and within family, but you also talked about how your dad fought in the war. Yeah. So then what was it that ultimately led them to go, hey, we got to get out of here? Yes. So they stayed, we stayed throughout the whole thing. My, we lived in Bonavici the entire time. I was born in a town called Tuzla, which is a, just a bigger city, but we ended up staying in our, in our little town for the entirety of it. And my dad fought in the war and it became definitely something where it's to survive. There were, there was no food. There was hmm. literally starvation. And so by him signing up to go into the war, obviously for the purpose of fighting to defend his country, but also for that immediate need to, bring food to his family for, for us, for my brother, there were rations. Sometimes you wouldn't even get it. it. It felt very much like what you'd read in world war two, where you had some rations. Sometimes you didn't get anything. And they, the red cross would send supplies, but how corrupt the government and just the situation was over there, that supplies would not reach anybody. So yeah. people would just take it. And so he, it was very just a desperate situation. Sure. So he got food, we got supplies, we had some type of assistance from that. Yeah. I won't derail the conversation because to be honest with you, this is, I'm not qualified to comment on this, but what it, what I immediately hear and what makes me want to walk away from this conversation and just really think long and hard about and really have empathy is from now on, when I hear about a war-torn region or country, remembering oh, there are a lot of really human elements where some people are fighting that war, not necessarily because of ideological differences or because they fully back, you know, this corrupt regime or whatever. It could just be, no, I've got, I've got a, a son and a daughter and a wife and I got to feed them. Mm -hmm. And this is the, because there's famine. And so it's, it's, it's always messier and it's always more nuanced than, than we realize. And so again, I don't, I don't mean to hijack things, no. but it definitely that, but that's why we're having this conversation because your experience causes me to see the world with my eyes are more opened and, and, and it's easier to recognize the humanity in these situations that can seem so in, inhumane. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so, so your mom and dad, obviously, you know, your dad's doing whatever it takes to take care of you guys. And, and he obviously is committed to you and, and your brother and your mom, and they stay together through all this. And, and he fights all the way through the war. And then, and then I interrupted you. So from there, they, what, again, what was, what, what was the impetus for coming over here? He fought through the war. So so 
they applied to come to seek refugee asylum. Okay. I don't know the exact word for it, but there were certain countries accepting. So America was one of them, Canada. A lot of people went to Australia as well. And then certain parts of Europe where we know a lot of people who went to Germany, okay. but from there, you just kind of, he said he had to go. My parents had to apply. They didn't really get a choice in where they got to go. It was just who was opening their doors and their borders to, mm. to welcome these people in. So got to come to America and it's super cool. My dad and my mom didn't know English coming here. None of us did except my dad. He learned by watching old Hollywood cowboy Western movies, nice. listening to ACDC and everything that, which Very carried cool. on over here. <laughs> she learned when she came here, uh, which is- Through which bands? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the sorry. library. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but we didn't get a choice. My mom and my brother, they had health conditions pre-existing. They don't do well in humid areas. So okay. they have bronchitis and other uh, respiratory problems. So you just fill out a questionnaire where they ask you kind of just match you up better. Utah is definitely one of the more refugee-friendly states. And they have the IRC you mentioned, mm -hmm. CCS, Catholic Community Services. So we're pretty well known for, we Utah is pretty well known for that. But um, by chance, we just got placed here. We didn't have a choice. So they came with two kids. I was sick. I had to come here to else. When, when we came to America, I had to get surgery. Um, oh, wow. I had kidney problems and everything. So that was a miracle in and of itself that we came here and got that. They came with two kids, just two bags, left all of their stuff back home, left their family back home. And I think he had $100 wow. in cash and just... They, they came here. So I, I want to slow down for just a second to, to, again, this is why I love these conversations and, and I'm, I'm fighting back wet eyes because what, one of the things that I'm hearing in this that I never realized was that questionnaire. It wasn't just, you can come over and Hey, you're in America. Be happy. We let you through the door. It's no, no, no. Hey, what? Tell us about your life. Tell us about your conditions. Where can we send you? What is going to be something that's beneficial for you? Because I know, again, we, we can all have our, our ideas of what immigration should be and, and how, the, how things should be run. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. And I'm not here to talk about you know, pros and cons and goods and bads or whatever. But what I hear there is there's, a, there's an element of the system that recognizes humanity and that every person is different and it's not a one size fits all. And it's some people it's, they're going to go to Georgia. Some people are going to come, you know, to Utah. And I love that fact. And I think it's worth just pausing for a moment in the midst of all of the frustration and chaos and, and things that we, that we can sometimes feel we as a country get wrong. And I don't think it's probably perfect. You could probably talk about that, mm -hmm. but it's like, Hey, there's at least this idea of these are people that are coming here. So let's help people in their specific situation. I think that's, I think that's, am, am, I, am I understanding that correctly or am I romanticizing this? No, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't speak to it now. It's drastically changed, I'm sure, okay. compared to what it was when we were going through it. They, from my understanding, they did ask those things, which is awesome that you're not just being placed somewhere where you're going to be set to fail health wise, mm. right? So th that's great por portion of it. There are other elements where it seems like it has improved in other areas where okay. when, you, when you are kind of placed here in our situation, you were placed here, you maybe got a month's rent, a month's worth of rent paid for. But after that, it was, all right, figure it out yourselves. Sure. You don't have, we, I mean, we didn't have furniture. We, our furniture was cardboard boxes and we dumpster dove for a little while for, which was, that sounds a little grim, but truly it was 
a fun time because as a kid you don't know anything but now looking back at some of our photos I just laugh so hard looking at my mom she's just the most remarkable person and such a homemaker very both of my parents I this is where the element of God comes into play where everyone back in Bosnia Croatia everyone's been touched by death everybody who's gone through that war has either had a family member or a friend or somebody Mm -hmm. die or has been inflicted with some negativity um, as a result of that. But to come out of it with both of my parents and my brother and then them coming here, only one of them knowing English, her, she's, oh my gosh, she's a spitfire and she (laughs) learned it all by herself, would just go, doesn't even know how to navigate what's what's north, what's south, what's east, what's, what's west. She found the library. She found how to learn English by herself. And so... That's just by, by the grace of God right there. It's just, it's remarkable that we were able to come here. Yeah. But then they were also forced to kind of figure it out afterward. You got in this apartment where a lot of the other Bosnian refugees or Serbian Croatian, we all lived it close together. Okay. From my recollection, it felt like everyone was living in the same apartment, which I don't think they did <laughs> yeah. that, but it was, they're such a welcoming community. It literally felt like there were four families in one apartment, which that's the part where I don't, I that does happen now. I have a friend who's a family liaison for mm. a lot of refugees that are coming from, I think Sudan is one of those areas. And okay. that is definitely the case in things that she's experienced. For me, I think it was just close confines, but we're also such a social community. The door opens, you don't, you're not even inviting people over and they're just like, hey, can I come in and all this <laughs> stuff? And you're like, no, actually private time, but I guess my home's your home. Yeah. Afterwards, they were just kind of left to fend for themselves. It felt like that. With the closeness of the community, and by that I mean proximity, did that build a closeness relationally? Was there a, a sense of community helping one another and working together? What Do you remember any, any of those elements? For sure. My parents, and we are still friends with those people. So 20, oh, 23 years later, okay. they're still really close friends. And funny enough, a lot of them actually came from the same town they were from. Oh, so wow. they, it, it's, again, just like what a coincidence that you guys came over here at the same time in the same location just as us. And I knew you from 20 years ago back home. Yeah, But absolutely, it was nice just having a sense of community and people who are going through the same things that you're going through. Yeah. Real, totally relatable. I want to jump ahead just for a split second because you said something that caught my attention. Here in Utah was where later down the road, was it here in Utah that you met your now husband? Yes. What caught my attention was after however, you know, however many minutes you've been telling this story, you said, Oh, and this is the part where God came in. And I'm going, Maya. I'm listening to this story and I'm, are you kidding me? From start to finish, I'm just hearing all of these things that you're telling me, oh, and this shouldn't have happened. Oh, and this shouldn't have happened. And this shouldn't have happened. Oh, and then God, by the way, we had no control over where we got to go. Could have been in Australia. Not, no, I'm not knocking Australia. It sounds awesome. I'd love to go there someday. But it's God seemed to the quote unquote, no choice that you had. It's wow, this this is an incredible story where it's like when I think of like the story of Esther, God's not mentioned anywhere in the book of Esther. You won't find his name but you see him at work behind the scenes. And it's like your story, it's like, wow, like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. And then it's like, oh, and by the way, the cherry on top of the really difficultly 
created Sunday because your life, you know, it wasn't simple. It was definitely wasn't easy, but it's like, oh, and you got this amazing husband that I like to hang out with. I spent Friday with him, you know, and it's just like God from start to finish. And I'm, you know, I know you're going to talk more about that stuff or whatever, but yeah, I just, I wanted to kind of like before you dropping that comment in, <laughs> and I'm kind of, oh, come on. This whole thing has yeah. just been, it, it, it's, it reeks of God, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So well, he's involved in every aspect yeah. of it. But now when you start back then, you just don't, you don't think about that, sure. right? Yeah. Definitely not as a kid, but looking back at it now and some of the stories that my parents will open up and yeah. tell me about now that we're older or maybe it's their way of working through PTSD or something. Mm. I don't even know. But then you start piecing together the puzzle pieces and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, for sure. But yeah. in the moment, you're like, oh, <laughs> no, for sure. That makes perfect sense. I mean, I, you know, as a parent, I will have this this thought in my brain every once in a while where I'll just smile because I will have done something for my kids. And I'm like, you're probably never going to remember that. <laughs> but if you do, I hope that you think back on that and you're like, oh, my mom and dad did that because they love me or because they were watching out for me. And then the immediate follow-up is me going, oh, I bet if I took five minutes and thought back through just yesterday, let alone my life, I'm going to find a lot of moments where God is like, you're probably not going to remember that, Paul. But if you do, know that this is my way of saying, I got you. I love you, you know, kind of thing. I hear so much of that, you know, in your story. And so I'm so sorry for continually hijacking, no. but it's your story. It's just, I see and hear just God's provision and his guidance through all of these things. I mean, even just in the unlikely marriage of your parents and just, I mean, it, all the things that I do know about you and just your your love and your acceptance and your and everything. And, and you can hear how that's cultivated in you because of your mom and dad's differences and learning to navigate those differences. Mm -hmm. Because I can only imagine, you know, as you get to the portion of your story where 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 you become you begin to have your own faith. You mentioned your mom and dad, it was kind of like, here's the data. This is up to you. I can only imagine that their openness helped you guys to approach faith in a different way than people who it was kind of rigid and everything. And so so as you as you transition to life in the States and 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 life in the Bosnian community here within Utah, you've told us about the the what you said were fun times, funny times of dumpster diving. <laughs> and but but as you begin to get a little bit older, tell me about like how, how does your family's life progress? Where do they go? I mean, do they still live with four other Bosnian families or oh are they living gosh. by themselves? No, they are seriously they it, it's interesting because depending on they could have gone one or one way or the other. A lot of Bosnians that you know had a hard time assimilating and adapting here. Okay. So they just kind of kept together, kept close with the people that they knew from back home and just didn't learn English very well, didn't really seek anything more, just kind of became complacent. Okay. I think it's the best way to say it. And I mean, it was really hard, so you can't really fault them or whatever their reason was. But my parents took the other route where both of them, I mean, my mom learned English by herself. My dad, he, and both of them actually were working multiple jobs for a good portion of our childhood and our life. She ended up progressing into a management level at OC Tanner and became safety manager for, I think, a large region. It moved on to other higher corporate levels, and she put herself through school, graduated with her nursing degree in her 40s, became wow. an RN. Now she's working for the Department of Health. Now they're building their own home up in, on a mountain in Lehigh where when they first came here, they were like, oh, I can only dream of this. And I was like, their dream is coming to fruition. Both of them did a really 
good job and dedicated a lot of time into learning English. And that's where I still speak Bosnia. My brother and I both do. But we spoke a lot of English, too. So our household was a mix of that. Okay. They put a lot of effort into also getting to know other people. They don't, a lot of refugees here, they don't have any friends outside that, that aren't their nationality. Okay. And most people, they can be living here for decades and they won't know an American or anyone who they can actually consider a friend who step into their house, have dinner with them. I don't think that's ever happened to my parents. I, I genuinely don't think, just not despite their effort, but that's hmm. kind of the sad reality of it. So, so I'm going to ask a question that is probably going to be very convicting for me. Mm-hmm. What you're saying, it's not that your mom and dad or others in the Bosnian community or refugee communities, it's not that they're often not looking to get to know other people. It's that no one's knocking on their door. No one is, no one is stepping into their life. Am I understanding that correctly? Uh, in my experience, yes. There are some who it is, it's just scary, right? Uh, you have people who don't take well to you anyhow, strictly being from a different country. You are a foreigner here. Some people don't like that and they might get scared. My parents, or they might just feel more comfortable. They don't want to put themselves out there. In my experience, so it has been more of them being rejected. And so your, they, your parents or other refugees. Yes. Gotcha. Both okay. of them. Mm-hmm. So they, with my parents specifically, I know it's not due to a lack of effort. Mm. It's just, you're different. And it doesn't seem like people are very welcoming as mm. much anymore. You talk about your parents reaching out to other people, but other people not really reciprocating it. And part of the reason for that is you're and you admit, maybe there's some speculation and this isn't always the case, but sometimes people are afraid of what's different. For sure. And that's understandable. Okay. It doesn't make it right, but it's understandable. Was that weird to you? Because you come from a family where mom is Orthodox, dad is Muslim. Different is just a part of your world. So the fact that you now live in a place where different is almost feared, did that leave you kind of scratching your head going, well, what's what in the world is? <laughs> it was weird. I mean, it definitely does leave an impression on you as a kid where it's your norm mm. within your family, all of these differences. And you don't feel like it's different until you try to reach out to neighbors to come over and things like that. And <laughs> some of them were visibly uncomfortable with just different foods, different cuisines, different smells, spices and whatnot, yeah. just getting down to the food element of it, let alone anything else. But it was really weird. And then you're left kind of, wow, what's wrong with us? <laughs> what is this normal or not? So, like, so educate me then. Let's talk about how different things might've been. Your mom's Orthodox. Was she also going to mosque with your dad? And was your dad going to church with, with your mom? Or was that just all separated? What was that dynamic like? We didn't grow up going to church outside of when my grandma finally came here. She came about five years after we did. Hmm. She's very much more a devout Orthodox follower, whatever you call okay, sure. yourself. Um, we would go with her on just some of the major holidays. So and that was cultural. the extent of it. Very cultural, very traditional. Okay. So we didn't grow up with it. My dad would come sometimes. And people, for the most part, were pretty welcoming. But then, of course, you just have a few people who weren't a little bit more mm. secular in their mindsets that why is a Muslim guy coming here, blah, blah, okay. blah. So they never converted for each other. They never felt the need for it by any means. But we never really regularly went anyhow. It was mostly just kind of a respect thing for our elders and our, for our family members on a, on some more major holidays. And after that, it was just run of the mill stuff just yeah. back home. Well, integrating both. I, I want to hear more about that 
but before, because I, but I also don't want to miss this part of your story. How long were you here before you would say your 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 specific family? You found your footing. You know, how long did it take for you guys to get to that place of? I'll, I'll throw out a word that I don't feel actually fits, but where you guys were comfortable. Oh my gosh, uh, I feel like for them, cons- thinking back to how old I was when we when they first bought their home or their very first home. I think it was two, three years after we came here. They, okay. they busted their butts off, both of them. She did as well. He did too, working numerous jobs, trying to save up money for a down payment. He's now truck driving for himself. He owns his own business. So they both just nice. flourish here. They took the opportunity they could get. But for them, with just how much work and what they were willing to put into it, it progressed a lot faster than some people that I know who um, it took a longer okay. time from there. It's hard to say because each year was so different. Sure. Each year there's progress made. We've been here for 23 years now. So yeah. looking at where they started to where they are now, night and day difference. Yeah. But that's too true. And, and I think truthfully, that was probably a bad question on my part no. because how many people actually wake up one day and they're like, oh, somebody cut me a check for $50,000. <laughs> the whole world changed. No, it, it's a slow progress. I mean, and that's that's part of the struggle is it is a slow process. Mm-hmm. The process is different for everybody. I'm not wired like your mom. My story will probably never look like hers and everything. And and so, you know, I'm sure that it probably all of a sudden it's you look back and you're, wow, we're really grateful to be here. When did mm-hmm. we get here? I don't know when we got here, yeah. <laughs> but thank you, God, for getting us here. And so, you know, so as you're growing up in that and, and your family is is doing better and better and, and, and um, you know, doing their part to, you know, to help you and your brother and everything, you know, at what point, you know, you mentioned your grandma comes over, she starts taking you guys to church on major holidays and your dad is supportive and even, you know, attending and all that kind of stuff. At what point do you start dabbling in Jesus <laughs> or, you know, where, where, where does that be, oh, move from just, oh, that's right. my grandma's thing. That's a cultural thing. No, I, I kind of, I'm kind of curious. I, I regressed. Oh my gosh. I, um, <laughs> it wasn't until I met Parker and to be completely honest with you at that point, I was like, oh, I don't believe in that. Right. I just had, I didn't, I just simply, I didn't believe in it. And then when I met him, oh God, this is t- Texas boy from the Bible Belt South. <laughs> I think I'm just going to start going to church to make his family me. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that was the start of it. And then I had a lot of differing opinions and beliefs from what, again, you are, what I would I thought was the truth back then, not okay. grow, going to church, just seeing it from observing in the environment you grow up in or our neighbors, our cities, yeah. whatever. So you had some preconceived ideas of what absolutely. you thought Jesus was all about. Yes. Okay. Yes, 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 absolutely. So you're saying that's what I thought, but then I step in because of I want Parker's family to like me and I start being, oh, wait a minute, I kind of... Well, maybe it's a little off. I wish it was that. At first, I was, I'm going to start reading the Bible so I can argue against you guys and prove you wrong. Okay. I was a jerk. I was such a jerk. And then, funny enough, I swung the other way. <laughs> I don't know what when the shift happened, but it went from, I'm going to read through this just so I can know what you guys are talking about so then I can tell you you're wrong. That's not in the Bible at all. Oh, <laughs> oops. I actually ended up really liking it. And then it... It, it evolved. It was a slow evolution. I mean, it it wasn't an overnight thing. It was actually over the process of a few years. Okay. Where um, going to like respect that side of his family, respect his parents, hopefully me, and then starting to be oh, I actually 
it was really emotional. And also it felt, oh, am I going to be disowned? Am I going to be not what disowned? What do you mean by that? That's the wrong word. Not disowned. Disowned by friends okay. who firmly do not believe or just don't, they don't go to church. They don't believe in um, God or anything like that. So I thought, okay, I'm the first one here. Am I going to lose my friends? Well, I'm the first one from my family also to be practicing a faith that's not what you're born into. Okay. For my mom is Orthodox. My dad is Muslim. And that's the norm over there. That's the part of the tradition, the cultural identification mm -hmm. uh, part of it, where there really is not a cross, I don't know the word that I'm trying to think of. People don't intermingle. Outside, my parents are clearly born in two different uh, religions and they're married. Yeah, They were kind of the exception. Yeah. But they also didn't go to each other's churches. Sure. They didn't. So for me to start exploring that on my own and openly admitting it, it wasn't a walk in the park. It, they almost took it as, why are you denouncing our culture? Hmm. Why don't you want to be bossy anymore? <laughs> that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, so they equated what you're doing now with like disassociating with your heritage, not just a personal mm -hmm. faith thing of, hey, I am a I am a Bosnian Christian. It's no, 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 you're no longer, wow, okay. It, but granted, it also came at a really, it was during our marriage and our engagement and everything like that, which if you've seen my big fat Greek wedding, that is my life. That was our <laughs> wedding. <laughs> it's just so many different <laughs> loud people, <laughs> beliefs, all that stuff. So I just felt like they felt a little threatened. We grew up in America. We were losing our identity from where we truly are from. Mm. And now I am I can have conversations with her about it. Okay. And it's slowly but surely she's starting to come around and both of my parents, which is really awesome. But it wasn't, that's kind of where I was, where it was a few years process of me being able to get where I am today in my faith, in my journey, that I feel comfortable enough to speak about it. I could speak to my friends about it now, if they ask. Yeah. Certainly don't entertain that idea because they still don't uh, <laughs> believe that. But it was a slow journey. For sure. Me. Well, and, and there are two questions that come to mind at this point in the story. One of them, do you remember, was there a specific or a couple of passages that created that transition? As you're reading the Bible out of spite, trying to weaponize it to prove that his family is dumb and all that kind of stuff, were there stories, were there things that you read that you kind of stopped and went, well, hold on, wait a minute. Do you, was there anything specific or was it, you said it was just a slow evolution. You can't point to any one thing. It just, you get absorbed into the story. And then all of a sudden one day, it's just like, whoa, when did I turn the corner? No, I, I wish I could equate it back to a specific Bible verse. It really wasn't that. I started reading it, definitely got confused and overwhelmed reading it. Mm. And I think the shift mostly started coming from the people I met interactions and very small things going on in my life, how I noticed it to just be changing for the better. Yeah. It's hard to put it into words. Sure. But well, our lives aren't compartmentalized. It's yes, you're reading the Bible, but you're also reading the Bible and you're now in, in somewhat of a community of mm -hmm. people who live according to this book that you're new to, and you're having life experiences. And there's this cross-pollinization of all these things happening that are just working. This is, this is a way that we can use this first, but it's God's working all of these things together for the good of this girl that's about to fall in love with him. You know, mm -hmm. it's, he uses all those things. So it, it doesn't surprise me. And the Bible nerd in me is not brokenhearted that you're not <laughs> telling me that this one thing from Jesus's life caused it to flip the switch. I think, I think that your story is probably more 
it's more familiar to, to people than, than, than we probably give them credit for. I think mm-hmm. for most of us, it is a, it's, it's just that slow process. And it's, that's the, that is the patient, compassionate, gracious, enduring love of God, mm-hmm. you know? So, so, you, okay. So it's not this one instantaneous thing. So my, but my other question is, okay, in the midst of all this, you know, you're, you're doing all these things that we talked about. Life is all happening all at once. What was it like in your relationship as you're making this transition? What, what worth, worth, was there a season of a little bit of hostility between you and Parker? Because you're, you're, you're trying to go to war through the Bible, you know, or did you separate that? What was, what, how was that with your relationship? Oh, he is so patient and so gracious with me. He has been for these past eight years. No, I was definitely abrasive with him about it. And I think at one point I was a very proud person and a lot of just Eastern Europeans are very proud people. Mm -hmm. And so that came with the territory with me initially. So I didn't like being scolded, (laughs) I guess is the way. But I think I remember one time vividly we were having a conversation about it and I almost started mocking him a little bit in my tone. And then that's when he... (laughs) Of a child and a parent. Don't talk to me like that. <laughs> I don't disrespect you and what you believe. Don't disrespect me and what I believe. And I was mm. just, oh, okay, I'll shut up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, it really put me in my place. And sometimes that totally has to happen where I just need to be brought back to the ground. You're wrong. And so that was, that was the very first time I think that happened in our relationship. Mm. And afterward, I, I, did, I would like to think I didn't do it again. <laughs> well, what level, I love about but. that was there wasn't at least the way that you just told it and please correct me if i if i didn't hear you correctly he didn't attack you no. when you attacked it, it's he was exercising no. boundaries it's hey i don't i don't really appreciate being spoken to that so mature well i mean come on don't give him too much credit no I mean, he's gonna make <laughs> me look bad as a husband and so i do bring that up intentionally because there is an element of your story that i think i'll be honest for a lot of people it gets a little murky mm-hmm. it's this idea of of being in a relationship with someone who's not a believer. And for your story, hey, that worked out. That worked out really well. And part of the way that worked out was you have, there's there's healthy ideological conflict mm-hmm. and there's use of boundaries, not demonizing you as a person. And so, you know, wh- I would love to hear you talk a little bit more about, you know, just that journey of the two of you together as you're discovering faith. And I'm, I'm, I would assume still discovering faith to this day. And so for sure, I feel that will just be a lifelong journey, but no, he's been a, an integral part of it for sure. I don't, I'm, I'm really fortunate to have had somebody to kind of go through it with coming it from it from a totally opposite direction where he, and then he was brought up in it. He was just really, really patient with me the mm. entire time. And the best thing about it, he never forced me. It was all me forcing myself or but he was also very encouraging in any of the questions that i'd have to ask i I think what was what i appreciate the most he's very relatable on that front where when i had questions that maybe he just didn't know how to answer he was totally open to that i honestly have no idea and okay or there are other elements when he would be doubting something but would admit it Mm. without making you feel guilty about him okay so that's very human. I yeah. feel I it's just a vulnerability and an honesty of I don't got this all figured out. Exactly. Yeah. And he was just very encouraging every step of the way. I would not say that we went to church all the time together, that 
we didn't start going regularly up until a few years ago. Okay. It was all very sporadic here and there. And we we're going to college. We had our fun times, things like that. Yeah. So church was at the top of my priority, but it wasn't back then. But it was nice to just grow with somebody. Yeah through it, the ebbs and flows. And he's just been a constant in that. Well, and I love that because again, you know, I I just, I hear just that, that example, an imperfect one, as you admitted of just, just that patience of God. I mean, the Bible, like you said, it's a long, confusing sometimes story, but it's the length of it. And it's the constant mess ups of people. Me, if, (laughs) if they wouldn't have made those mistakes in the Bible, I would have made them. They'd have written, I'd have been one of those people, you know, I, that got everything wrong. And it's just, it's just that story of God's patient, enduring love. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're living through that with God, with a godly man that is now your husband. So there are certain ways that I will probably never know God. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because I, I, my experiences are limited. And when I read the Bible, the thing that just is so blatant there to me is that this is a book for refugees. This is a book for exiles because the Hebrew people are, they're refugees, they're exiles. I mean, it's that when they're in Egypt, that ain't their home. When they leave there, they're wandering. They're trying to find their way home for 40 years. They get there, they don't get to stay there for very long. And it's, you know, Babylon, Assyria, I mean, you name it, Rome. I mean, they are just constantly people oppressed. They are foreigners. They are refugees. They are exiles. And so for me to read the Bible, I just kind of take for granted, man, as much as I'm getting out of this, I know that I will never fully understand because God has been very gracious to me to where that's not my story. So so as, as we've talked about, you know, your family and your faith journey and what it's looked, just kind of as we kind of bring these things to a close, you found faith through, yes, the Bible, but also through the patience of a guy you're dating and also being in community. I mean, it's all of these different things. And so now that you are at the place that you are still on this journey, still figuring this out, just like the rest of us speaking specifically as, as someone with your story, what do you feel we as the church, not just capital, but we as the church, how can we better facilitate people who come from your background, both meaning, you know, refugee populations, but also those who are from a different faith background, similar to yours, what can we be doing better? If you could run some things, what would be those suggestions? From like a refugee standpoint, I think just integrating with that community, it's, I mean, and getting to know them outside of like that agenda of, getting to know them just on a personal level, being a friend, being a neighbor, trying to, it's uncomfortable doing things that you, that are different. Our neighbors, I know when they would come over on the rare occasions, that was that was them stepping out of their comfort zone big time and being cognizant of that. But also for them trying to extend a piece of their home and who they are to you, just being respectful of that, yeah. and just starting small and you know, being friends. I guess for people who are, for me, I think what worked for me was just patience, patience. And, 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 and there might be some overlap here. Cause I asked specifically about, you know, the church and everything that as far as what we can do. And, and so if there's no difference in the answer, okay, that's fine. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm 
setting that up. But for us as individuals, you know, about looking for those, you know, in need and then serving the the people that we see and, and being need meters, you know, for those, you know, outside of a church setting, outside of a weekend service or a small group or whatever, living daily life, what are some ways that you, that you would recommend, hey, if someone's listening to this podcast and they're like, wow, the thing she's saying, that's really resonating with me. What are some ways that you would say, you know what would be really helpful? This. What are ways that we as individual people can get involved or can 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 be a benefit and can be and can live lives of service, you know, to those, you know, that have, have been in your situation? If they're your neighbor, continue to say hi. Draw them out of their shell because they just came here from a totally different place. They're gonna be putting it more on, on your plate to be a little bit more persistent with them uh, and to draw them out and talk to them and invite them over or whatever it may be. Mm. There's a ton of great, I follow Serve Refugees is another one outside of CCS and IRC. They're constantly posting the need for goodie bags or these supplies, whatever it may be that everyone needs. And it goes from like kids crayons to dial hand soap, things mm. that they need that they just don't have access to or they can't get. I think being on the lookout there and helping it. In school, growing up, I mean, Demir, my brother, he remembers most of it. I mean, he started coming to school here when he was seven, didn't know a of English. <laughs> hmm. But just being nice, being yeah. nice to them. My gosh, people can be brutal, but being a friendly person and just stopping and saying hi to them and asking them, I think that's big time. Yeah. I don't feel that happens a lot. Yeah. What I think is amazing and convicting about what you just said was you kind of gave three answers. The middle one had to do with giving and supplying things. Even within that, it's it's just very basic stuff. So on the one hand, the meeting those needs monetarily or through material goods, it's it's not major things. It's no just help people get the basics. That's huge. But flanking on both sides was just hey if we were just decent human beings, <laughs> you yeah. know, if we, and I, and I said, you know, at the beginning of this, that this is convicting. So I'm talking to myself. It's you're, you're saying just see people, acknowledge them. If they're a kid, be nice as parents, educating our kids like, Hey, do you have somebody in your class that maybe struggles with English and kind of getting those answers and finding that out? And it's just, Hey, maybe you should helping our kids understand, be sensitive, mm -hmm. be aware and helping them understand that. And then us as adults, you said every day, waving to that person, helping them draw out of their shell. I'm hearing more than, I don't, I don't want to say more than, but just as much as the material needs and helping people in that way, just show people that they're seen. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and as believers, ultimately the end game, and this is not selfish, but the end game is not only do we see you, but we want you to see yourself the way God sees you. And I think that's incredible. What you're telling me is I can have a much bigger impact than I realize in very, very small ways. That's incredible. So thank you for articulating it in a way that <laughs> I struggled with. Well, it's a perfect way to just bring it together. <laughs> well, you're very gracious. I thank you for allowing me to process that out loud because as my wife will tell you, I think out loud. And so you were very patient. You probably learned that from having somebody who's patient with you, you know, but that's 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 how I learned. So thank you for not only your patience in that, but thank you for giving up an afternoon and sharing your story with us. Yeah, and I so appreciate it. I, I know that I have benefited from it and I know that everybody else will have too. So thank you very much. Really appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening to this powerful episode. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks. And until then, or always, I guess, may God just give us eyes to see. May God give us eyes and hearts to be a welcoming community and to live out that biblical principle of hospitality.